chapter 2. We have seen in chapter 2 reminding uh, the believers of of who they were and uh, what they are now after they have trusted Christ. And I'm just going to read the verses, but we will start in verse 11 is where we'll be. But I'll start with verse 1 just so we get an idea of the context of this and um, tells us in verse 1, and you hath he quickened, he's given life to who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so that is, is brings us to the context of where we are and reminding them of, of what God has brought them out of and he saved them and no longer do they have their conversation in lust of the flesh and fulfilling the desires of the flesh. No longer are they uh, walking in this world uh, according to the devil and the prince of the power of the air. And, uh, and so we, we know that our father is is god and and no longer is the devil our father and so then he goes on and now verses uh, verses 11 through the rest of the chapter verse 22 we're going to see the believer's unity that one has with christ and uh, that's where we're going to be now through oh i don't know next two or three weeks probably and looking at these and seeing the unity that that god brings in our lives and One of the first things that he does is he wants us to remember again where God has brought us from and where he is taking us. And that's the important thing. Don't don't always be looking back towards uh, where you were, but just keep looking forward and keep moving forward in your in your walk and and uh, doing battle with uh, the old flesh and doing battle with the mind and doing battle with with our own sin nature and doing battle with the temptations that that uh, the devil might throw at you and and keep moving forward and so but he tells us in verse 11 he says wherefore so because of what we just read in the first 10 verses then because of that remember that ye being in time past so there was a time formerly when you were gentiles in the flesh and uh that that was a a term that uh, Gentiles were were those who were non-Jews, and and so they were 
Gentiles in the flesh. We know that in Ephesus, that it was a very large city, that there was a Jewish synagogue there, but for the most part, it was Gentiles that ran that city and uh, where Princess Diana was at, and they were very um, uh, superstitious. If you remember Paul, when he went there in the book of Acts and uh, talked to them, and, and uh, uh, it was there that uh, the man was mad because people started getting saved and people wasn't buying the little uh, statues of Diana and he was losing out on money and he was all mad about that. And, and uh, so they were Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision and that was a name that the Jews had given them because the Jews had become <clears throat> very prideful and very arrogant about the, uh, the sign that they had been given uh, during Abraham's time for being a chosen nation, and which is called uh, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And so referring to the Jews who were very prideful in their circumcision, and, and so here he is, he's reminding them of, of who they were, and don't, don't get so proud about yourself today, and, and, and uh, thinking about uh, how far you've come, but just keep looking and remembering of how far you still need to go and keep moving forward. And it's kind of like what Paul said in First Thessalonians to the believers there and their testimony in uh, chapter 1 of verse, verse 2 of First Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And, uh, and, and goes on, verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come and uh, so here they turned their backs on their idols and uh, served the living savior and uh, much like the the ones here in in Ephesus and so remember those things and and he was constantly uh having to fight with the, the arrogance of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and, and uh, dealing with that pride. And pride is just, it's just never a good thing. And so let us be careful. And, and that's what he wanted them to know, that, that the circumcision was uh, nothing more than an outward manual act performed on their bodies. And it meant nothing in holiness. And as a matter of fact, I believe it's in Romans where, uh, maybe Romans 4, where it talks about that it's not the outward circumcision that was important, but it's the circumcision of the heart that was important. And so it, it, here's the thing. If we have our heart right, then it's going to show in our body. If we have our heart right, it's going to show forth in our mind, in our thoughts, and what we're doing. And so we need to work it keeping our heart right with God. And, and the Jews, they were proud of their name and, and being identified as God's people, and they used circumcision as a barrier between them and the Gentiles. And Jesus came in and, and uh, told the Pharisees earlier, I'm, I'm dying on this cross, and I'm 
have come for the nation of Israel, but because of your rejection, then it's open to all. And so and we know that through that, that we also can be saved. And, and those signs, those physical signs, were nothing merely but physical. And Romans 2, verse 28 and 29, it says, For he is not a Jew, which is one out, outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. Here's the verse. <clears throat> but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Boy, I mean, he, he just completely spoke against the law and completely spoke against the traditions of, of, uh, uh, of the Jews and, and uh, how they thought that by the, the ritualistic religion and by the, uh, the, the traditions that they had and, and because they were a chosen nation that they, they were just going to waltz their way into heaven and it wasn't the case at all. And it was only through the circumcision of the heart that one has true salvation. And it's one that realizes who they are and their need of a Savior. And so they go to Christ and look to Him for that salvation. But then he goes on and, and uh, uh, <clears throat> he tells us in verse 12, he says, that at that time you were without Christ. How scary is that? I, I mean, I, I find that to be terrifying. I find it to be a, a time in our lives when, when we were without Christ. And, you know, that, that is the, the, the one reason why we had that long discussion last week on what we were talking about. And, and uh, it's just an opportunity that we can help someone that is without Christ. And it may... What would be the opportunity of going to that family and being able to just knock on their door and walk in and sit down at their couch and give them the gospel? Probably not very likely. But you get them here and you are helping them with their family and, and uh, helping them bury a loved one and you have them sitting here and you kind of have a captive audience, don't you? And you can speak from the heart and you can speak with love and and tell them about the love of Christ and and it isn't in anything that we do, but it's all in what Christ has done. And that if we will look to him and open our hearts to him and humbly come to him with that repentant heart, he'll save us. And I just can't imagine how, I don't, I, I can't imagine how people are getting through the the times that we're having right now. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, there, there are many hopeless people out there and, and, uh, I find it, uh, and until we give them the gospel, there there really is no hope. And so we need to, they're not going to get the hope from the world, and the devil's not going to give them any. And so, but at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were alienated from the commonwealth, and, and by that, the, the state of Israel, the the nation of Israel, you might say, and, and uh, they had no connection with Christ whatsoever. They had no relation to Christ, and they had no relation with the Jewish nation at this time, that theocratic state, and uh, the believers of Israel, the practicers of, of uh, uh, true Judaism, and, 
And then it tells us not only that, but they were strangers from the covenants of promise. And so the covenants that God had given, the Abrahamic covenant, Palestinian covenant, the, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant, the one that we have today, the New Testament, the, uh, they, they were uh, uh, strangers from that covenant of promise. Just as, and, and really, this is us. This is us that he's talking about. We are, we are those Gentiles and, and uh, had no hope, but with Christ we have all hope, don't we? And, but here he says, having no hope. No hope individually, no hope as a nation, no hope whatsoever and without God in the world. What a, what a sad, sad description of someone that does not know Christ and and Paul wrote about it in the when he was walking talking about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 and he made this statement in verse 19 if in this life only we have hope in Christ we're of all men most miserable see the gentiles were ignorant of the messiah and of the salvation that that he offered and and they were without god and Paul wrote in Galatians 4 in verse 8 he said how be it then when you knew not god Ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. They were godless in a godless and hostile world. There are people today who are godless in a godless and hostile world, and, and it is up to us to be obedient to God and to be courageous enough to go out and tell others about Christ and, and to stop focusing on ourselves and stop focusing so much on our life's ambitions and all of the goals that we have to accomplish in our lives, and instead we need to be looking to Jesus and setting our goals for what is it that God wants me to do? What is it that He wants to do in your life and, and allow Him to use you? And, and we need to make a difference in people's lives, and the way you make a difference is by giving them the gospel and telling them that you love them and that Jesus loves them more and that they need to be saved. There, there is nothing, nothing, nothing in this world that will do that other than Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's it. I mean, we can, we can spend all of our money and all of our time on, on all kinds of projects or whatever that, that we think that, that is going to uh, uh, do things for, for us, our families, and, and our children, and, and whatever, but I'm telling you that the most important thing is to having trusted Christ and living for Him and allowing Him to do a work in your life and use you, and because there are people out there today without hope, and they're living a godless life because they have no idea what it truly means to have a godly life, and so let, let's go out and let's tell them about Jesus. And, but then he goes on, but now, I love that, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It says back in chapter 1 and verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted, in the beloved tells us in Isaiah 57 in verse 19 I create the fruit of the lips peace peace to him that is far off and to him that is near saith the Lord and I will heal him 
In Acts 2 and verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then they are made nigh. And, and, and here, something that's, that's interesting, it's a one-time action that he's talking about. He doesn't have to continue to, to bring us back and make us close. We are nigh to him, okay? Whenever we come to trust Christ as our Savior, he makes us nigh to God. He brings us close to God, and, and he does so by the blood of Christ. And, and it's Christ's atonement that removes the barrier of sin. It's Christ's atonement that in his blood that was shed on that cross that brings forgiveness of sins, and it's the forgiveness of all our sins, all of them. Don't live in fear of thinking that you're going to lose something that has been bought with the most precious price paid in the blood of Christ? How can we diminish what God has done, and how can we weaken what God has done in thinking that, that we can actually walk away from Him when, when He has made us one of ours? You cannot do that. You just can't. And if you do, then He let you go because you're not His child. You never were, and you were a fake. And so... But we are brought nigh to God by the blood of Christ. The most powerful, powerful essence in the world is the blood of Christ. And his blood brought them near to God and near to the Jews by bringing them all into the same family. doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, and... That, again, is a one-time action. You're not rebaptized. And those that want to teach that you lose your salvation, then you're going to have to get rebaptized every time that you confess things and get it right with God. And Holy Spirit's going to be coming and going. He's not going to know whether he's in you or not. And nor are we. How, how, how devastating is that? I mean, the way some of us act, there's seven times today he might have left you, you know? <laughs> I mean, we laugh, but that's the fear that people live in. Look, he baptizes you into that one body, and you're there. And you are forever in his body. And yes, it means that there are some disobedient children in the body. And guess what? He's going to be working on them, and, and, and he's going to be working to bring them back to where they need to be and, and doing what they ought to be doing and living the way that they ought and... and uh, uh, but we are in that same body together. And then he goes on now in verses 14 through 18, and it's, an, it's the explanation of the union of Christ that we have. Remember, I, I preached on this a couple weeks ago, for he is our peace. And the interesting thing is, is peace has a definite article in front of it. He is the peace. He is very specific. He is the one and only peace. He's the only one that can give us this peace. It's only in Jesus that we can get this. You'll never get it in drugs. You'll never find it in alcohol. You'll never find it in some sexual addiction. You'll never find it in, in, in whatever, in work. You, you will, uh, you, you know, I, I know of a, a company right now that, uh, uh, that, this guy that owns the company thinks that everybody wants to work six days a week. No, they don't. 
no, they don't. That's not your life. That, that's not your life at all. And, and the expectations that are there and, and thinking that, that what, you're, you work your whole life or, uh, you know, 20 bucks an hour or whatever and think that that's going to bring you peace. We know right now that finances aren't bringing very many people peace right now. You know, the, um, we should be excited. Uh, our president came out and said that the price of gas has come down. Well, thank you. Uh, it's now it's only five dollars a gallon instead of five fifteen, and so I can celebrate in that seventy five dollars just to fill up my poor boat uh, to go to to go play for a day on the on the water. Isn't that crazy? And, and finances don't bring you peace. As a matter of fact, I see in the scripture. I mentioned this this morning in the devotions, but uh, finances just brings responsibility to use them in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God. But God, through Christ, gives us peace. Why? How, how can we have peace in our life? Because, first of all, we've made peace with our God through Christ. And knowing that we have that peace with God, then we can have the peace of God to walk in this world and, and truly be able to uh, uh, rest in that. Colossians 1, verse 20, Paul wrote, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And so Christ himself, for he is our peace, who hath made both one. And by now are ye sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Remember the wall that was set up by the Mosaic Law of Commandments and, 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 and contained in the ordinances, and, and that was a barrier. You remember one of the things that happened when Christ was on the cross? We know that, 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 that uh, a barrier between the holy place and the holy of holies was ripped in twain, and from top to bottom, and, and we know that God is the one that did that and then gave us the ability and the privilege then to go directly to God the Father through that wonderful sacrifice that Christ hath made, has made for each one of us. He's broken down that, that wall, and, and so Jews, there's nothing to be so proud of and thinking that you are special in the circumcision. Jesus Christ is the only one that that is special, and, and we need to realize that. And so uh, here we see the laws were what separated Israel from the other nations, and, and we know that Christ abolished all of this with his death. Matthew 27, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the, rich, and the, and the rocks rent. Mark 15, 38, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Hebrews 4 and verse 16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so here we see the wonderful power of God and what Jesus Christ has done and and we need to, rem and, and you know what he's calling to remembrance here is he's, he's calling remembrance, say, it is nothing special that you have done. 
It is everything that God has done. And that's why we can rest in that. Because one day we might think we're special, and then the next day we're flat on our face. And so it's not us that's special, it's God. And it's our Savior that's special. And so we rest in Him. And we rest in His, the, the, the deep love that, that truly is hard to understand and hard to even imagine, but it's that deep, deep love of Jesus that He has shown to us that we rest in and we have the peace that we can walk through this world and know that things are okay. We're a child of God. And one day, we'll celebrate eternity with him in heaven. And we can walk the streets of gold. And we'll see our loved ones that have gone before us. We'll celebrate with our Savior. And we'll praise our God for all that he's done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray you encourage the lives of each one who's here tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.